Hello and welcome to the Bravo Outsider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Midwinter, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan Ferguson. Dylan, how's it going? Fine and dandy like sour candy. Ready to, ready to get into it. Yeah, ready to get into it. We're flying solo this week. Uh, unfortunately, hey, our guests... That's not what that means. <laughs> what do you mean? You're not solo. There's two of us. No, I said we're flying solo. It's not solo when there's two people. The, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. We're flying tandem. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to dive right into our recaps here. We had an exciting week of Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, Dylan, where would you like to start? Um, let's, let's start in New York. All right. What were, what were your highlights from New York this week? Continuing to love the strange gravitational pull of Jenna Lyons, uh, who is like simultaneously by far the most powerful figure on the show and the most insecure figure on the show. It's just such a compelling dynamic to have her like uh, have this, this like kind of awkwardness and this like genetic disorder that she's like very open about uh, that, uh, that makes her like very like vulnerable. And at the same time being the one who has like by far the most professional success and like the most influential figure on the show uh, so that everybody's kind of like awkwardly in her orbit of both like trying to suck up to her, uh, getting tired of her, uh, like uh, feeling sorry for her, uh, feeling like they should never feel sorry for her because she's got more influence than they have. That, that like the the influence that she has as like the sun at the center of this uh, solar system was like really interesting to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And it re- actually, it reminds me a lot of the presence that Raquel has on Vanderpump Rules. Sorry, Rachel. There's a certain awkwardness and uncertainty about the way that she carried herself on that show. I initially was like, I don't know that this is a very like compelling thing to watch. It does not feel like anything else that we have seen on Bravo. But it ultimately, it, it really is. And watching someone navigate that and feeling your own like it's very easy to project your own uncertainties and anxieties onto someone that operates in that way when you're watching the it on screen it's like oh okay i can see like i would navigate that situation in the same way and make those same mistakes yeah yeah when somebody is like visibly awkward on screen i think you hit on something there it makes it easier to self-insert in a way uh into the character uh, it's easy to cheer for somebody who is like very confident, but it's easy to self-insert in somebody who is like openly displaying insecurity. Uh, obviously, the huge difference between uh, Rachel and Jenna is that Rachel was automatically on the periphery of the group, and Jenna is automatically in the center, just as being like the most established one that the rebuilt reboot seems to have been almost built around. Uh, so that just just makes it uh, interesting in a whole different way for me. Uh, but I definitely find myself like instantly sympathetic to her and like wanting to uh defend when uh when people come up with comments where like like Bryn's like it's like she doesn't know like girls trip 101 and it's like yeah but that's what's so adorable about her is that she's like openly saying like i've never done a girl's trip and like uh and when she like makes awkward decisions you like you want to take her side because it's like yeah that's like that's uh that's sweet you want to cheer for her uh what other what other highlights did you have let's just talk about the food that they have at Anguilla when they show up there <laughs> and they just like, and they're all like, Oh wow. Look at the spread. And they walk into a kitchen, like this totally clean kitchen that looks like it hasn't been used all day. 
and it's got like tacos and hamburgers with not like a trace of steam or anything like these are just cold tacos and hamburgers they're just eating like cold food cold gelatinous congealed food that's supposed to be hot it's just so weird to me and that nobody mentions that either they're just like <laughs> oh yes great real food finally unlike at aaron's place like i would rather have fish roe on a cracker than like a cold hamburger that's looks like it's been sitting <laughs> on a counter for two hours yeah i i had a note on that too i was like is this catered by kirkland like everything <laughs> looks like it was costco buns costco yeah. like frozen patties it was not not appealing whatsoever it looked like standard resort fare but they're you know in this villa that's supposed to be this elevated vacation mm-hmm. experience and yeah to compare it to you know i guess pringles with caviar on it um maybe that's an upgrade but i i don't know yeah it was not exactly appealing to me either yeah i would rather scarf down pringles and caviar i think than just like yeah like you said they look like very generic burgers it kind of reminded me of that like uh that trump photo shoot you know where he's got like a bunch of like hamburgers on a table and he's like hey look there's a bunch of cat hamburgers just sitting here for who knows how long like it's just <laughs> not doesn't seem appealing i love a hamburger but i but like a bunch of them just sitting cold on a couch is like very unappealing <laughs> i guess the the big sort of question of this episode is what is jenna's motivation for flying out on her own i'm curious what your perspective was on this i mean she says both right um I think she's, she she hedges it by saying it was primarily to get a base layer on her tan, but eh, I guess why can't it be both? I mean, I, I I do agree that it like comes off as like really snobbish and annoying to be like, I'm going to get a different flight because I don't want to fly coach. But eh, if you're rich and, you, and you're and you getting older and you're, you know, six feet one and you want to be comfortable, I can kind of get it. <laughs> I think that it was actually the primary motivation, but... Also, I don't blame her whatsoever. Actually, watching this travel montage like we usually get on these shows, I don't know if you've seen those those memes where it's like new ick unlocked. And I think my new ick is Housewives Flying Coach because it's like, oh, have some like self-respect crawling into these cramped quarters. I want to see the, the glamour. I want to see them in like first class or flying private. Yeah, and they can do more of their thing instead of having like little tiny moments of lowering their mask on like a cell phone camera and being like, hey, <laughs> getting wacky, but not, oop, got to buckle up, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's see them in the, let's see them in the PJ drinking champagne. That's just more televisual. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you have any other highlights from New York? Um, yeah, uh, I, it's it's funny and also kind of relatable the way Pavit's going to go to like Vietnam for like two days. Like that's just the, it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing to do. Um, but I can't like fault his defense. Like he's like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna gonna go have a good banh mi sandwich. And Jessel says like, so what are you gonna do? Spend time with a sandwich? Uh, and like, yeah, man, why not? If if you if you have the means to fly to Vietnam, you get a really good fucking sandwich, then fly out sounds like a good life <laughs> Enjoy yeah that. i mean if you're going to be flying there you know it's maybe like two grand round trip plus like a couple nights in vietnam a bon me is not that expensive <laughs> no if that's you're not the think... final financial commitment buying the bon <laughs> <laughs> but if you're like doing the math and being like okay i'm gonna spend you know twenty thousand dollars on a bon me sandwich 
yes, that seems kind of crazy, but when you compare it to spending $60,000 on coloring, as Pavit has mentioned for yep. the preschool, yep. you know, it's uh, a bit more understandable. Yeah, sure. Um, and also, I feel it when he's like, when she's like, you know, you're going to spend 20 hours on the plane. And he's like, being on a plane is a vacation for me. And yeah, you know, being on a plane is a vacation. I know some people hate being on a plane. So I think it's cool to just like have to be seated in one spot for a long time you got your books with you yeah you got some movies on the screen if you want during the daylight hours you can look out the window and see the ocean and cool scenery and stuff that is a vacation you know yeah you have no choice but to just fucking chill like yeah being on a plane for 20 hours is part of the vacation that's not a hassle for me that's like part of the experience so i i feel that totally and ginger ale tastes better when you're flying so does like... tomato juice yeah. And airport food, when you're spending that much money on airport food, it like tastes that much better. So Airport food rules. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck those 90s jokes. They're wrong. Airport food is awesome. <laughs> get a little tiny bottle. Of, when you get a little tiny bottle of wine, it's the best. You know what I mean? Like a little like like uh, mini mini bar bottle of wine. You pour it into a little plastic cup. A little tiny dessert that's like two bites. There's, there's all these like little like burger restaurants and like it's they're all branded a different way in every different airport but they're exact same menu like it's exact same burger but it's because it's the best burger like it's the best burger that you can get you're paying twenty dollars for this this burger but it's the best <laughs> full stop that's the end, end of my rant you can't argue with the best <laughs> maybe no Viet, vietnam bond me but you know it's it's up there all part of the experience uh what other highlights did you have um like uh, good to have uba back i really like her line when she sees a space she likes and says i could come here with a donkey I don't know what the fuck that means. That's awesome. You know what that means? I could come here with a donkey. No, what? I didn't even catch that. When did she say that? I think she says it when they like are introduced to their living quarters. And I think she says it in the sense of like, oh, I really enjoy this space. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to start saying that now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Aaron comes off looking bad again, I think. Right. In like it just showing up with her fucking butternut squash soup. And then scurrying off with gossip, you know, just a very, very duplicitous move to just be like to to just wheedle her way in with like, like with a hot steaming broth, like some fucking fairy tale character. And then then like steal something (laughs) from the larder and and run off with it to spread mischief. Yeah, definitely like not a cool move, but I I loved it. Like I was waiting to see Aaron do something like this. And to see her pull a page that is, you know, I could see someone like Tamra doing exactly this, like coming in, you know, being so warm and to the point of like Jenna being like, oh, I get to see Mother Aaron. And then her to come out and completely misrepresent something that Jenna was like kind of joking about and use it to cause cause drama. I love to see this. I was glad to finally see Aaron doing something i've changed my tune a little bit on on aaron since we had that episode with uh sandy a couple weeks back where she was like actually aaron is doing a lot to just be annoying and stir shit up and yeah i totally see that point now i am seeing aaron's light and um it sucks but it's also great 
Yeah, I haven't quite warmed up to her that much, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, she has been kind of... They were starting to treat her collectively more like a villain, and with this, she's starting to, like, act the role a bit more. Like, she's starting to, like... You know, that that is an actual, like, villainous thing to do, so respect for that. <laughs> uh, also, Brynn is, like, getting really intense with her, like, uh, anti-Jenna position. And I think she's like, I feel like we've seen a, l- a lot of her trying to take opportunities to take shots at Jenna. And I think she feels now that she has her chance to kind of go all in. And she's really, um, she, she, she's really going for her, it seems, at the end there. And I think she's just getting started. I'm not really sure um, why she thinks that's what she needs to do. Why do you think? Okay, so part of me wants to, like, frame Bryn as kind of a mastermind because I really like her. I like what she's bringing to this this cast it could be that she sees jenna as being this person who is not facing any sort of opposition within the group dynamic and if she's really eager to carve out something for herself within this group you know creating a divide there and being someone that is going to go up against a a goliath i think Mm -hmm. um i think that's a valid motivation for someone that if they are seeing the housewife as like a, a social game, which not everyone is. And we've talked about that before that you mm-hmm. don't need to do that in order to be a good housewife. But, um, you know, Bryn, Bryn makes, we haven't seen how she makes her money. Presumably she makes it by winning chess tournaments. And so <laughs> she's thinking two moves ahead of everyone. And I, I'm choosing to believe that. <laughs> Not based on the available evidence. I did love that part where she's, she's playing chess with Shai and she's like, okay, so the thing is you got to protect the pawns. Most people think you don't protect the pawns. That's rule one. <laughs> you protect the pawns. And Sai's like, Bryn, I'm winning. <laughs> yeah she's th- she's not thinking two moves ahead she's thinking two games ahead right yeah. <laughs> she's playing 3d chess she's yeah. on that con ship. <laughs> uh yeah i guess basically my best interpretation was that it's just like straight up um going for the most uh powerful person in the group like just like straight up gombe ch- chimpanzee shit like just like identifying the person who has like the most like uh clout and just being like okay i'm gonna attack them that's the best way to strike the my position by by weakening the strongest one but um seems seems risky but uh but th- there seems to be a general turn after these these new events towards like feeling more okay with being anti-jenna the the, the tide does seem to be turning a bit yeah, one thing that I like about how she's approaching this is, yes, she is kind of going all out, but she is she's framing it in a way that it's not like she can't come back from this. Like, she's saying, like, I'm going at you because you aren't open enough with me. You don't share enough with me. Mm-hmm. And she's framing this as being like motivated by wanting to build a stronger connection. And that's where yeah. this tension is coming from. So, you know, I think she's leaving a lot of moves open for herself um, to potentially turn this into a very strong bond, depending on how everything shakes out, which is different than how I think Sai, who is starting to turn on Jenna is approaching things she's saying you know oh she's 
you know, Jenna's self-serving. She's like only putting in her collabs into these gift boxes because she wants to build her brand and stuff like that, mm. which is more, I feel like that's more of an attack that is going to be harder to come back from with Jenna because, you know, it seems like a personal attack that isn't yeah. motivated by anything other than just calling someone selfish and self-serving. Yeah, it is. If that's the strategy, it is also risky to to approach somebody who like, uh, maybe is a little uneasy about making friendships automatically and with the position of basically being, if you're not going to be my friend, I'm against you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that, that could be risky. Um, we, we got a scene in LA with, with Bryn and her brother. I wanted to talk right. about that a little bit. Some good because... bro action at the start here. We got yeah, double brothers. Yeah. Double, double brothers. Um, I thought that this, I liked seeing this scene because I think you have pointed out that we have like Bryn had started off as a pretty like one dimensional character in the way that she was operating. Um, I thought that this gave us a lot of um, perspective on her relationships. Like this, this episode opened up with a, like previously on Real Housewives of New York and we got a clip of Gideon. I'm like, oh, maybe Gideon's going to come back. But really what that was doing was setting up this conversation with Bryn and her brother where it talks about her avoidance of commitment and, you know, how she is you know, uh, avoiding commitment because she is afraid of getting too close because of her past with her family. And I thought that this, like, was a really engaging scene because it's so complex this relationship that she has with family because she wants a family so um so badly but also is so fearful of you know creating a bad family environment because she's got so much trauma trauma in her past relating to it Mm -hmm. um it was a real highlight for me to see that because slowly i feel like we're seeing how the uh the brain that we got at the beginning of the season is constructed by all these past events. And um, I just love the complexity that we're getting, you know, built on onto Bryn as a character. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely good to see um, her motivations and her fears get fleshed out a little bit more and having, um, having a sibling come in uh, like we have with Jenna earlier too, is, is always a good thing for me because uh, it's like the person you do the least performance with is your sibling. You know, it's it's like you're the most like just like straight up without like trying to to prove anything or like play a character or anything. So it's always uh, interesting to me when we get a sibling come out and, and get to see a character from that angle. Yeah, totally. Uh, did you have any other highlights from New York? Uh, that about covers it, I think. I do like the setting in Anguilla, that kind of like Santorina style building uh, and with like the big open windows and stuff. And you get kind of that like Alex Colville painting kind of aesthetic happening with their conversations while they eat horrible cold food. Um, <laughs> it was visually nice near the end. I hope they spend some more time there. Yeah, I I love that we got a little bit of a a room drama. I think that's one of the, one of the staples of housewife girls trips is some sort of conflict or some interesting dynamic in terms of how room selection happens. Uh, So I was glad to see at least a little bit of a nod to it, even if it wasn't fireworks, but for Jenna to be like, Oh, I got this, you know, charming little room. And then to see Jessel's 
Roman being like, oh, okay, I'm I'm actually being punished here. Yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always good to see. Um, I think that about covers it for New York for me. Let's talk about Real Housewives of Orange County. What were your thoughts there? Um, John's not beating the allegations of being a shitty partner by by his attempts at like showing affection to shannon by scratching her back like he's like checking his dog for ticks like (laughs) just like the weirdest like least sensual back scratch i've ever seen in my life yeah (laughs) and this was this scene felt like such a setup scene like i do not buy that john spent the night at shannon's at all like i i feel like he showed up there to make it look like on camera he spent the night there it felt so staged totally. he was way more put together than than she was so um yeah i i don't buy it no no neither do i it, it was it was totally set up just like they they tried to plan to have him doing like something that reads sensual to the camera to prove that they actually are like a proper couple <laughs> and it just came off so bad just didn't work at all <laughs> so what do you think is a, a more awkward display of affection the uh the Shannon and John uh, back massage or itching or the awkward spooning paparazzi photos from Heather and Terry. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's a tough competition. Um, they like, I mean, Heather and Terry actually look in those photos like they're people who tolerate each other. Um, <laughs> but uh <laughs> It is, uh, it is, if they did like call the paparazzi to like see them at Disneyland, that is like pretty funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I don't understand, there's been a number of lines as we get to understand when, when Heather is talking about it and she says, yeah, okay, where there's smoke, where there's fire, but you know what else there is? Arson. What yeah. does she mean by that? <laughs> completely don't get that (laughs) someone is setting her and john on fire but who could it be i guess (laughs) but i thought she was replying to the where there's smoke there's fire in the sense of like it seems suspiciously like they're set up and she's like yeah well you know what sometimes fires are planned like yeah that's the that's the accusation that's being made here (laughs) that it's planned (laughs) yeah true Um, Tamara did do a great job of just like stirring up everybody at the conversation near the end. Just like yes. great masterclass of just like sowing chaos and pretending like she's not the one doing it. Uh, yeah. just, I, I just <laughs> love the way she's just like, is like taking Shannon's side, being Shannon's defender and her sidekick and then being like, yeah. And like the, like when you said that, um, that Gina's boyfriend has a small penis, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just throws that in there it's just kind of like i don't think gina's bad enough at shannon let me let me throw something else on let me throw another log on the fire there <laughs> a very small log a very small log right oh my god and oh and gina's attempts to to uh to defend travis's penis oh my god when she's like oh i think travis has a lovely sized penis <laughs> That man. If if I overheard somebody I slept with saying like, "Oh, I think his penis is lovely sized," I'm 
running a bath and bringing a straight razor in with me. That is brutal. <laughs> that is so devastating. He's not coming back from that. <laughs> yeah, she she talked about his penis the same way Jenna Lyons talked about the room she got stuck in. Stuck in. So, very charming size. <laughs> charming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i to- i totally agree i thought that tamra was like you said putting on a master class i said to jess while we were watching him like anyone that is out there saying that tamra shouldn't shouldn't have been brought back is just flat out wrong like she is so awesome to watch i feel like she brings so much to the show and without her i feel like we would have got a very boring season oh yeah I, I didn't watch last season but i i keep thinking like what were they doing without her like like who was who was the engine without her because she's the engine of like every episode last season was was an all right decent season of uh of orange county but yeah tamra coming back just really elevates the show oh yeah yeah that 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 whole conversation was just an amazing display of of turning everybody against each other and uh and and making it come off like she's not the one doing fucking everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i loved how the edit treated her too like in that early scene with shannon and and john and and tamra we've got like shannon saying talking about how no one else's opinion matters and immediately cuts to tamra giving a confessional where she's like john not talking about marriage that's a red flag like immediately giving her opinion (laughs) yeah it's I don't know whether it's what Tamara gives or the editors just like knowing how to work her, but it's just such a lovely symbiotic relationship to see yeah. how she gets treated throughout the the season. Yeah. And you're not going to like nail Tamara down by like breaking out proof of her being hypocritical because she like owns up to it. Like she's nakedly admits that she like will adjust her behavior and whose side she's on based on the circumstances and the situation. So like you can't be like, aha, I found a contradiction in your opinions because she like is totally open about that's what that's how she is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What other highlights do you have from this episode? Um, Heather's getting just more and more annoying to me. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't find it cute the way that she's like prompting her interviewer into giving her uh, opinion on vintages of Don Perignon. <laughs> like <laughs> it, that's just a, it's a very tacky way to like to try to like to, to try to make everybody like see you as as being like wealthy and knowledgeable. Nothing wrong with being like proud of being like a wine geek wine geeks are a cool type of geek and if you know a lot about wines it's that's 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 cool to flaunt that but like it's just like the most like basic uh rich person who doesn't necessarily know much about anything move to be like one Dom Perignon vintage is better than another ask me about Dom Perignon and, uh, <laughs> that's what that's what I loved actually about Tamara's um, Heather Duho impression when uh, from a few episodes back, <laughs> which I thought was great because I thought like she really seized on the fact that a good impression of somebody isn't just like imitating the way they talk and act. It's about creating a character based on something that you get from the person and like and and the fact that she's got like her gold-plated money gun and it's like shooting yeah. money everywhere and heather's like i don't <laughs> shoot a money gun that's day class a it's like it just like <laughs> underscores like how much she nailed heather's like basic tackiness 
uh not <laughs> in a literal sense like like of course heather doesn't literally do that yeah. but like so much of her attitude is like effectively that kind of like like tacky <laughs> cheap displays of like obviously trying to flaunt wealth uh so <laughs> um yeah heather duho was just a great moment of this of the show for me <laughs> yeah i um i you know, I agree about Heather and her, her tackiness. I do kind of like her on screen. There's something about her. I can't really put my finger on it, but um, I do think that we get some interesting reactions from her. I think, you know, she's she's above replacement level housewife, I feel. Um, I like the edit that we got of, like, the MIB edit, I think. She's not a she's not like a villain, but she's uh, a bit of a heel, I guess. Like mm-hmm. she's she's not someone that you want to root for, but I think she is functionally a good housewife because she um, she the way she gets worked up and it just it adds a uh, je ne sais quoi. Uh, sure (laughs) as heather might say (laughs) yeah i really loved when shannon called out her like fake tears i thought the lunch between heather and shannon was a really fun scene because they are both housewives that are um they're kind of natural housewives they're not able to they're not strategic in any sense they just kind of naturally bring something it with heather it's you know, this tackiness, this like this weirdness that I described. And with Shannon, it's just being so unintentionally messy and just naturally kind of funny. And to put them in and just see that chemistry emerge, I thought was really, um, really fun to see. I think it gets down to something that's at the root of these shows that I really like about watching these mm-hmm. dynamics plus shannon had a did have a really good line when she was like maybe you can put this lunch in your imdb yeah <laughs> yeah that was a good line well delivered <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was that was excellent yeah. um yeah i i thought that it was interesting to watch this lunch again because you know when we got to see it play out on tv um there was like editor receipts about, you know, Heather claiming that she wasn't peddling this information. And then the editor's show, she clearly was peddling this, this information. And I, um, you know, it kind of put at the forefront, just how bad Heather is at playing this strategically. And really like, you know, despite that, I find her to be an engaging housewife watching her try to work Shannon over this piece of information is so, it was like, you know, watching someone try to work a training dummy. Like, it's just, you know, it's, you're not really showing your strength by by doing this in any way. And I feel like it's so much, um, you know, it's a, in Shannon's mind, it's a bigger bombshell than what is going on between her and Gina. But I feel like the way that this plays between Gina and Shannon is so much more interesting and um, nuanced just because of their personalities, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and it definitely got worse at the end. So that's, that's going to be fun. Uh, would have liked to have seen more of Shannon this season, but you know, unfortunately uh, God did strike her dead. So, <laughs> R.I.P. Shannon. <laughs> Gina had some had some good lines too. I do like when like 
they're walking into their little, their fucking rustic pumpkin carving thing, and she's like, "Oh, what are those things growing? Weeds?" In reference to corn. <laughs> was that Cheetah who said that? I think that was Cheetah who said that. Um, but she had my favorite line uh, of the week when she's like, "Tamara has a spoon in every pocketbook that she owns." Yeah. <laughs> was, she, was she saying she does cocaine or was that like just total I feel like she was trying to make a metaphor for something and I don't know what it was I don't know what I, she was well she was saying about. like she's got a spoon in every pocket that she owns like for stirring the pot I think is what she was going okay that's pretty awkward um, because <laughs> I liked she, it I... <laughs> yeah but she led into it by saying she's twisting everything she should have led into it by saying she likes to stir the pot which she didn't say I don't think she says right. like yeah. she keeps twisting everything people say she's always twisting what people say she's got a spoon in every every pocket she owns so it, it didn't it didn't read as like something that one phrase that follows another I, I was <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out right. what it is and I'm like is she accusing her of having a cocaine addiction I don't know what she means <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I thought that, like, having a spoon in every pocket, I think that that is, like, a really good foundation for a zinger, but you're right, she did not ex- execute it well. I hope that Tamara uses it for her tagline next season, though. I think it's got real <laughs> real raw potential. Yeah, I'm not sure how. I may have a spoon in every pocket, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't so that's know a punchline. It's like, something, 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 but I got a spoon in every pocket. <laughs> we'll work on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on that. <laughs> I'll come up but with speaking of taglines we get to power we get to power rank taglines next week which i'm super stoked about because real housewives of salt lake city premieres oh really oh, yeah i can't wait that's my favorite part of the show i'm just here to rank taglines yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah did you have any other highlights from this um no not really uh they suck at carving pumpkins but you know they, that's 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 fine <laughs> That's, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag anybody through the mud because they suck at carving pumpkins. So that's just have to deal with it, I guess. So I love carving pumpkins. It's oh, one of my too. favorite things about Halloween. But one point of contention between my wife Jess and I is that I say you always open the pumpkin from the bottom. You cut the bottom instead of the top. And that's what they do. That's what they did here. That's what the expert. It said expert under her. Are they? They said that this was a pumpkin carving expert. And she said, "Cut at the bottom, not the top." Yeah, Jessica, I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm with Jessica on this one though. I've never cut out the bottom. I I, I think that's perverse. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it, it's just unnecessarily unnecessarily grotesque, um, and uh, it's insulting <laughs> to a lot of people's sensibilities, uh, religious and philosophical. I think that you take the top off, and then you've got a little cap that you can pull, take off. And then put the candle in, and then you put the little cat back on, and it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And but you still you, have the handle when you cut the bottom. It's just you yeah, but use you, it to pick up the little hat you can take thing. off. And so then, then you, put you the shove your hand in there inside, to light, you, light you your candle and yeah, burn your hand sure. while you do it? No, no, no. We practice it beforehand, of course. But then you can move <laughs> the pumpkin around, and it doesn't have this gaping hole in the bottom where the candle will fall out of. It's It's nestled inside. It's actually inside. And doesn't have a, a huge wound. It's not a. It's not a wounded, dying pumpkin. It's it's a, it's an intact sphere still. It's it's got its whole head there. It's very selfless of you to want wounds on your own hands as opposed to on the pumpkin. It's all about what's best for the pumpkin. It's not about what's best for me. That's why you're looking at it wrong. <laughs> okay, I guess uh, I guess I 
am corrected. And uh, also, if, if you're not roasting the seeds, what kind of an expert is that? This is a this, this is wasteful. Yeah, what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't didn't Shannon or someone ask if they were going to roast them for yeah, them? Yeah, somebody did. I can't remember who was it. Shannon, but but uh, yeah, that's why I said it. And and then they're like, no. Come on, you got all those tasty ass seeds. In this. I, th- I think these are fake pumpkin experts. I think they just showed up. I don't think they know what the fuck they're doing. I don't think I've ever seen a pumpkin before. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was Emily getting her biker, her motorcycle license, or going to a motorcycle class. I really enjoyed this scene at, off the top, mostly watching the uh, retail employees and the Harley Davidson store having to deal with the Real Housewives showing up and shooting a scene inside the Harley Davidson. It yeah. was uh, <laughs> not a setting that we usually get. And then to watch later that Tamara went with Emily to this class, we got a clip when she like clearly knows how to ride a motorcycle because we saw her ride into the beginning of this season on a motorcycle (laughs) and like just go and stop and get like praise from the instructor like oh you're doing a great job (laughs) yeah no that was a fun scene also i've i've made some jokes about gita's fashion sense before on the show i think um i think i have maybe it was just in my head but her showing up at the harley store with her like harley like varsity style jacket and tennis skirt awesome look great look (laughs) yeah totally yeah. No, I've got a list of all the shots you've taken at Gina in my hit list because I stan her. Um, <laughs> yeah, I believe you said that you want someone to love you like Gina loves denim. Yeah. It's the most recent one. Yeah. I didn't see a denim look this uh, this episode and I was looking. Uh, what was she wearing at the pumpkin carving, Craig? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I I'm wasn't actually sure it was looking. Denim. Okay. <laughs> Wait, where's the uh, editor here to roll the tape? Yeah, I'm actually only 80% on that, but it's a safe bet when you're talking about Gina. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that we got to see someone else with a spoon, just hear her voice. Teddy, who I feel is an underrated housewife. She was very hated by the fan base, but um, I love Teddy. And to see that she had a hand in stirring up drama at this pumpkin party was lovely for me. You know, she... She has a, a podcast with Tamara and she went on when Tamara wasn't there to shit talk a castmate that Tamara is actively like shooting with. I just thought that that was a, an excellent move. Right. And, and, to, and Tamara, of course, pretends like, oh, no, this is an unfortunate timing when he's yeah. obviously just happy to, <laughs> to, to bust it out and talk about it. You know, like as if Heather is even going to like listen to her podcast every week and is going to like... <laughs> be tuned in instead like Tamara just shows up like I have to warn you about what was just said and that I agree with and that I'm gonna double down on (laughs) it's too bad this had to happen but (laughs) (laughs) I I like that she waited until they sat down for lunch and then she it seemed to me that she was going to make a speech but instead she was like I just want to say something to Heather for everyone else to hear Teddy went really hard on you about the staged paparazzi photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that about covers all everything that I want to talk about for Orange County. Do you have any other highlights? No, I think that about covers it for me, too. Awesome. Well, that about does it for this week, then. Uh, Dylan, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's still in progress, so I'm going to keep 
mentioning my new limited uh, four-episode podcast series, The Devil You Don't, which is about the Jersey Devil uh, and his many intersections over 300 years of American history. He is the Forrest Gump of cryptids, just getting his little <laughs> little hands on everything. Um, the final episode uh, is going to be out on Friday, and the rest are all out right now. So wherever you're listening to this, you could find The Devil You Don't, a uh, show about cryptozoology, history, and uh, and a bunch of weird shit. Awesome. Yeah, and definitely check it out. Episode 3 has a shout-out to Mosa Gorga in it, and I was very pleased to hear it when Which I was listening. comes from Sean O'Rourke, actually. I was, I was resisting making Real Housewives of New Jersey references <laughs> the whole show, and then Sean just busts one out. I'm like, all right, well, you did it, not me. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's Bravo Outsider for this week. You can find us online at Bravo Outsider pretty much everywhere. Uh, Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, rating. Tell your friends. It helps us out. Until next week, keep on wiping.